Hi, my friends. I do this work with all my heart for you. So please contribute generously to Future Primitive. Good day, my friends at Future Primitive. Today, I'm on the phone with Dr. Seth Farber, who is in New York, as I sit here in Santa Fe on a snowy day. Seth Farber is a writer, social critic, dissident psychologist, visionary, activist, and founder of the Network Against Coercive Psychiatry. His newest and most important book was just released in May. It's called The Spiritual Gift of Madness, The Failure of Psychiatry, and the Rise of the Mad Pride Movement. Dr. Farber has four books published previously, including a book on Jewish critics of Israel and numerous essays and articles. I could go on telling you about Dr. Farber's work, but I would rather open up the conversation with you. So, Seth, would you tell us a little bit what your book is about, The Spiritual Gift of Madness. Well, um, it's about uh, what was originally called, uh, I think there's a kind of continuity between the so-called Mad Pride Movement and the Mental Patients Liberation Movement. I don't think many people, uh, certainly most people in America, don't know about the Mental Patients Liberation Movement. I didn't know there was such a, a movement. Um, it began in the 70s, even when I was, you know, demonstrating against the war in Vietnam in college and in high school in the late 60s and early 70s. I had no idea there was a mental patients liberation movement. I, I discovered that uh, several years after I got my Ph.D. in psychology and was becoming increasingly disillusioned with the what I today call the mental death system uh, the, instead of the mental health system. Um because mm-hmm. it, it, I think it, it more often results in the in the mental death than mm-hmm. in the um, kind of revitalization or recovery of a, a, a person that is hurt or injured. Um, um, so I discovered the a few years after I become disillusioned with this mental health system, I, I went into it with thinking I'd be able to help people. And anyway, at that. It, after I became, I lost uh, my first or second job in '84, '85, and then I went and gave a speech at something called the Alternatives Conference, where there are many mental patients that were part organizing. And I met uh, at that conference. I met a man named George Ebert, uh, who was um, one of the, the, the activists from the start. Of the, of the Mental Patients Alliance was the name of his uh, organization. Of uh, He was an activist in the Mental Patients Liberation. This was the more radical wing of, uh, of Mental Patients' Rights Movement because there was a, a more larger, more conservative, so-called consumer wing. But the radical wing was really, they were the people who started it in 1970 saying that we're not mentally ill and that to call us mentally ill is to insult and demean and degrade us. And it's a, legally, it, it, it becomes an act by which we're, um, our, our, um, our civil and human rights are taken away from us. Right. So, so in other words, they, they looked at the um, fact of being a mental patient or being mentally ill as a political condition imposed upon them by their psychiatric oppressors. Wow. And I got this idea from a psychiatrist, Dr. Thomas Zaz. Mm-hmm. And most people are, are, there are two people that are to the public, many of the public who, uh, public at large, who's over 
55 years old probably have some memory. You probably do of R.D. Lang, right? Yes, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, like, I don't know, if, had you heard of Zaz? I don't think he was as famous at the time. Oh, very much so, because uh, he was also involved with Timothy Leary. Yes. Uh, Thomas, Tom, Tom was involved with Timothy Leary? Yes, yes. There's a history of them, but I can't remember exactly when they connected. Uh, yes. Well, he was the first to say, I should say for the, your listeners, that uh, mental illness was a myth. And that, that was the name of his first book, uh, A Myth of Mental Illness. Yes. I think even people who haven't heard of Tom have, uh, have often heard the talk of the myth of mental illness. He, uh, he wrote a, a book a year uh, after that, I think. He wrote 35 or 40 books on, the, on that topic. But ten, it took 10 years, but um, 10 years after he was writing his books, people who were um, labeled schizophrenic started picking up on it. And the, to me, I think that's amazing to me is that, that these people were supposedly chronic schizophrenic. I mean, that was the... The narrative, to use a term that's now uh, popular, uh, the psychiatric narrative was that these people uh, were, were schizophrenic. Because the interesting thing about the mental patients' liberation movement is that it wasn't formed by people who were mildly mentally ill. Uh, it wasn't formed by people who were considered mild cases. Yes. It was formed by people who were considered... You know, the worst cases, uh, inexorably mentally ill, uh, they could never recover, etc. And yet here they were, and they had become political activists. So that that excited me uh, when I discovered that in in the late 80s. So that movement uh, developed throughout the 70s. They were... There were people from mostly from the cities who were getting together, and they had read Thomas Zaz, and they were getting off psychiatric drugs. And when I came to, to um, right shortly after I met George Ebert, uh, I made connection with Thomas Zaz uh, himself, and um, I, I wrote a book that Tom wrote the forward to. Yes, uh, and that book was called Madness, Heresy, and the Rumor of Angels. And um, that that book was also, on the one hand, it was about uh, the people who were who had critiqued the idea of mental illness, who rejected the idea of mental illness. Mm-hmm. People within the mental health professions, mm-hmm. uh, because mm-hmm. there was a camp um, that has always said that the idea of mental illness is is a myth. Sort of, and, you know, they followed Thomas Oz in that tradi- tradition in that critique some of them influenced by him and others influenced by R.D. Lang, who um, was the more spiritual uh, of the two, since uh, he not only said uh, mental illness is a myth, but he felt that uh, many of the people labeled schizophrenic were, were having uh, higher states of consciousness. They were undergoing mystical experiences. Yeah, yeah. All this was the kind of people that I met once I became a supporter of the Mental Patients Liberation Movement, and I wrote the book Madness, Heresy, and the Rumor of Angels, trying to look for it now. Um, and um, I interviewed Leonard Frank, who had been uh, active in that movement in the early 60s after they he became a vegetarian and his parents didn't like that, and they gave him... A uh, hundred ele- electroshocks. He became one of the, the found founders of the movement in Berkeley. So I tell the story of an, a number of people in, in that book who, um, all of whom got better, and all of whom were labeled schizophrenic, and they got off the drugs. And this is supposed to be impossible. It was. So that's how it all began. Yes. Yes. And I I don't know if I should say. Um, that the, the new you know, the mad pride. How does mad pride come into it? If I see mad pride as like the second phase of the movement, and I compare it to the um, gay movement or the black movement, or, because it starts off. We'll take the black movement. Starts off uh, uh, Negroes. They were we used to, they called them in the in black people in the uh, 
term today, except derogatorily. Um, but um, and at that time, when the movement began, they wanted to be accepted as white, just as white people were to have the same rights, et cetera, et cetera. And, but, but as the movement developed, they became proud of, or affirmed at certain aspects of of what made them different from the normal people. So, uh, black people affirmed uh, black is beautiful. So the second phase of, of the mental patients liberation movement, there was more emphasis upon affirming what it was, and that I can go into in greater detail. But that began in 1999 in, in Britain with the formation of the Mad Pride organization. Mm -hmm. And then I say that it began in, in America in, 19, uh, in 2004 with the formation of the Icarus Project. The Icarus Project, yes, yeah. yes. Well, I'm really interested in um, the ecological and the spiritual aspects of what is called madness. Yeah. Uh, like, well, I was just remembering um, that's, uh, that's the same point in a way. I I was just recently years and thirty years ago in uh, in AA, and mm. and uh, I remember saying to someone, "I'm insane," yeah. and this person just walking me through for months, telling me, "No, you're not insane. Uh, you uh, you just have to accept yourself exactly where you are, how you are." And uh, that was a great way for me of healing from uh, from the shame yeah. of feeling of feeling different from those who who worked from nine to five, you know. Yeah. So um, I just wanted to say that because uh, you know, just calling out to other people who might think they're insane. Yeah. How can we be sane? In a society that's, in uh, in my view and in yours, because you mentioned that in your book, in a society that's deranged, absurd, and insane itself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, uh, this that's uh, as you, you may know that was one of Artie Lang's uh, uh, themes. Yes. I don't know if the your listeners all have heard of R. D. Lang. Uh, you know, often. <laughs> Nowadays, I, I, I mention Artie Lang, and people think I'm talking... There's some uh, comic called Artie Lang. Oh, is there really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I okay. have to explain, it's not, Artie, it's not Artie Lang, it's R for Ronald D. Davis Lang. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's, nobody knows, especially if they're under, under 40 or under 45. <laughs> They don't know R. D. Lang, the one that was like it was like a hero to me since the age of fifteen. Before I decided to become a psychologist or anything. So say in a word who he was for those younger people who are listening. Yeah, he was became famous. He was a British psychiatrist that became famous. Um, he, I mean, and I think the book that made him famous was the Politics of Experience. He had already said a number of heretical things. Uh, he had already showed that he had a uh, sympathy with madness and, and written a, a number of interesting books. But actually, I think that was his best book, even though some of his critics, even the ones that are sympathetic to him, don't. But it's his most radical book, and in that book, uh, it's actually a series, a collection of, of essays and of speeches that he gave. It's only two... Uh, 100, I mean, 150, 200 pages. It's such a beautiful, eloquent book. Here, actually, I'll, I'll quote the, the book uh, because just quoting him it, it, it does a better job of, of representing him than my trying to. Uh, he says, normal people have killed perhaps 100 million of their fellow normal human beings in the last 50 years. This was in 1967, he said uh -huh. that. That was when we were dropping bombs on Vietnam, yeah. um, which Lang opposed. And it was when it, the United States was involved in a nuclear arms race with 
mm-hmm. Soviet Union, mm-hmm. which, you know, at the time seemed like a very scary thing. But now things are even more scary with the ecological, uh, global warming, and so on and so forth. But anyway, at that time, it seemed frightening. Normal people have killed perhaps 100 million of their fellow normal human beings in the last 50 years. The condition of alienation, of being asleep, of being unconscious, of being out of one's mind is the condition of the normal man. Society highly values its normal man. It educates children to lose themselves and to become absurd and thus to be normal. Um, so uh, Lang uh, was a critic of, of normality, and, and, and at the same time he was... Uh, um, I don't want to say that in to a certain sense he did in fact celebrate or perhaps commemorate better term, commemorate madness, and, and he was attacked for that, and all, all he was accused of saying all kinds of things that he didn't say. Here, here's another quote from him. We respect the voyager, and this in, in 1967 was a very uh, radical thing to, to say, because no one had said it before, what he, he said about so-called schizophrenics. Um, because, as I said, the psychiatric narrative was that these people were so stricken by mental illness they would never be able to come back. And it was, from the psychiatric point of view, there was nothing good about being a schizophrenic. So when Lang came around and, and discovered all kinds of wonderful things about it, it was shocking to people. And um, that's what, uh, that and the fact that Lang was a, a gifted writer, I think made him famous overnight, and the fact, also the fact that it was the 1960s, and mm-hmm. so his um, it was his book was falling on on fertile ground. I mean, uh, like uh, like lighting a match in, a, in an area that's <laughs> doused with gasoline. Yes. So we, he, in fact, in one of my articles, I described it as a spiritual Lang's book as a spiritual Molotov cocktail. He said, and and I, I as I said, was a to Lang to me was a hero. Mm-hmm. We respect the voyager. This is a quote from him again: mm-hmm. the explorer, the climber, the spaceman. Why is it we do not respect the mad who are often exploring the inner space and time of consciousness, the inner space and inner time of consciousness? We should learn to accord the so-called schizophrenics who have come back to us from their voyage into inner space no less respect than the often no less lost explorers of the Renaissance. I should, uh, it reminds me, I, I should say, and, um, um, respectfully, that the, the um, person I met but in my generation uh, who was labeled a schizophrenic and became one of the most extraordinary political activists was David Oakes. And, um, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm saying it with some solemnity because he recently had a, he's still alive, but, but he had a serious accident and uh, he's in the hospital and he's going to have to, he broke a bone in his neck. So oh. and, uh, I would ask people just to, to pray for his recovery. Okay. Uh, I mean, his speedy recovery. I mean, uh, I presume, presume it's going to be recovery, but it's a, uh, obviously it's not a pleasant thing. I'm not. I'm not sure of the degree of uh, of that. I'm not sure of the degree of, of injury, but uh, but anyway. Um, so people could pray for David's recovery. But David had five nervous breakdowns in in the in the 1970s, and he was at Harvard. But you know, but the psychiatric narrative is you know he's too mentally ill to go to school. He's supposed to get out and be a a basket case for the rest of his life. Anyway, David didn't accept that narrative, so um, he, 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 had, well, after, he had five nervous breakdowns at Harvard, it was, or he was hospitalized five times. He hated it, uh, each one. He hated being having forced those drugs upon him, uh, the so-called antipsychotics. And he became a, a very strongly uh, critic of the um, drugging of America's... Um, in people who are uh, mentally uh, uh, wounded people. Yes. Um, he, David became a critic of that, but um, he got off the drugs, and he also formed one of the biggest organizations, the largest organization 
in the world of, of mental patients. And it, when David had fought, got involved in the movement, they were still called, uh, they were still calling themselves the mental patients. But they, then by the time David built up his organization's Mind Freedom, mindfreedom.www.mindfreedom.org, yes. um, it became the Psychiatric Survivors Movement. So that was the term before me. Anyway, David then uh, was another extraordinary person who, because he's supposed to be uh, chronically mentally ill, and here he becomes one of the uh, most admirable political a activists in America that builds an organization of 15,000 pe people. So, yeah. um, anyway, um, did I, what was your question? Oh, your question was yes, about my, madness, right? Yeah, well, how can we how can we be called sane when we live in a society that seems to be increasingly unsane and yeah. uh, where the, um, the 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 destruction of the earth is a daily practice? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Go, going back to Wang. Um, because actually what, what he said in the politics of experience is, is kind of a theme of my, my book. Uh, this book, The Spiritual Gift of Madness, the idea that madness could be yes. a spiritual gift. Um, David, uh, one of his favorite quotes was from uh, um, sorry, Martin Luther King Jr., I, I quote it in, in this book also. Um, Martin, Dr. King said that the, the, the earth will be saved by the creatively maladjusted. And David was in the process of forming, I guess it was still formed, uh, uh, an organization called the International Association for the Creatively Maladjusted. Um, and... Um, I believe that many of those creatively maladjusted are schizophrenics and bipolar, so-called bipolar people who are labeled schizophrenic and bipolars. Lang was the first to say this. He says the perfectly adjusted bomber pilot. This was in the '60s when there were. Well, we have this today in America, but now the the, the bomber pilot just pushes a, a button. A, and these pilotless drones, you know, drop bombs on, on innocent people. Marty Lang said the perfectly adjusted bomber pilot may be a greater threat to species survival than the hospitalized schizophrenic, deluded that the bomb is inside him. Our society may itself have become biologically dysfunctional, and some forms of schizophrenic alienation from the alienation of our society may have a socio-biological function that we have not recognized. Right, right. That's basically, the, actually, the theme of my book, that, 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 um, that our society is biologically dysfunctional. And now, I, I mentioned the, you know, just killing people, but as you mentioned, there's, there's global warming, which is just the most... I mean, it's, it's just one manifestation of... of uh, the environmental degradation that our society is engaged in, and it's all uh, kind of this is one uh, kind of manifestation of the blowback of the environment against uh, being uh, abused by um, human beings, particularly by those human beings who are controlling and trying to make as much money as possible. So one of those is is global warming, about which um, they're completely uh, oblivious, the people with power. They refuse to do anything. Um, uh, so when Lang says our society has become biologically dysfunctional, yes, uh, that's, uh, that's something I agree with, and that, that some forms of schizophrenic alienation from our society may have a socio-biological function that we've not recognized. And that's another thing that, that I theme of my book, that, that, that the Man Pride movement is beginning to rec has begun, it just started uh, the Man Pride with Icarus Project, it had begun to recognize um, uh, the, that madness is often a, a glimpse of, uh, the so-called schizophrenics have a glimpse of a, a new society.
society. Um, and what we need is, um, well, Vakal, Havel, the, I quote the Havel in, in my book, uh, yes. former president of the uh, Czechoslovakia, Czech Republic, said without a global revolution in the sphere of human consciousness, nothing will change for the better, and the catastrophe toward which this world is headed uh, will be unavoidable. So, I, I, you know, when I was interviewing uh, people in 1990 for my first book, I found that many of the people who were who had been labeled schizophrenic had had experiences of alternative realities, and also they were more aware of the insanity of this society than, you know, the average person. Uh, at least the people that, that, that I interviewed... Um, Okay, okay, I just want to stop you here because I think that's a very, very important point. The uh, African medicine man, Malido Massome, uh, had come to this country and uh, the first time he visited a uh, mental facility and he said, oh, so this is how healers who are attempting to be born are treated in this country. Mm. So I would love it if you would elaborate on how many of these um, many of of these these dissenting problems called schizophrenia or or um, bipolar are really healers attempting to be born. Yeah, um, yeah, that was, that was one of the uh, themes. Um, uh, when I first met uh, people in the Mental Patients Liberation Movement in um, in 1990, 1988 to 1990, I pointed out, uh, well, I, I, as I asked in my speech, I called uh, the challenge of, well, at that time I was a little more optimistic, Yeah. 
graphical, the sense of inner geographical location of the schizophrenic uh, was disoriented, but that became the uh, precondition, often a precondition for a rebirth. Um, uh, let, me, let me just quote Lang here first. He says, true sanity entails the dissolution of the normal ego, that false self, completely adjusted to our alienated social reality. And through this death, a rebirth, mm -hmm. and the eventual reestablishment of a new kind of ego functioning, the ego now being the servant of the divine, no longer its betrayer. Um, <clears throat> So to, to quote, to go from Lang to this uh, young woman I, I, I met online who was labeled a schizophrenic, um, now Lang said the goal again, and I agree with, with him now, he was one of the first to say this, the goal of this process, just like the goal of the shamanic initiation, uh, was the, the establishment of a new kind of ego functioning. You know, Buddhists say it's the death of the ego, but no matter how you put it, um, some, the process is similar to what Lang is describing. The ego now being the servant of the divine, mm -hmm. no longer its betrayer. So in a few years ago, I met this, oh, online, just this one woman, I met a lot of people like this. She writes, hi, and she wrote it to uh, a forum for bi so-called bipolar people. I'm a 31-year-old single mom, and I have bipolar disorder with psychosis. Well, I hope many of the people, um, let me just inter uh, interrupt that, Joanna, and say I hope many of the people uh, listening who have, uh, you know, been told they're bipolar, uh, you know, will, will, will take that with a, a grain of salt and start thinking, as I argue in, in the book, that Bipolar is just a label that, that, that psychiatrists put on people who are different, so different from them, yes. you know, that they, they, they can't understand that mode of consciousness. So, um, but she said, I have bipolar, so it doesn't mean that you are, are, have a disease. You know, you've been told you have a, I speak now to the bipolars and the schizophrenia, even though you're told, you've been told you have a chronic disease, you don't have a chronic disease, and, uh, and you know, many of you can and will go on to become the, what I, what I call the prophets and the messiahs of the new, new world that needs to come into existence. Yes. Jesus, to continue from the Serene, when I go into mania, I have conversations with God, and he has told me how he plans to bring together the plan for the ages, or how he is going to bring about global awareness. And of course, it is something that I have to do. Now, she's still quoting, you know, now every time I go into mania, I am consumed by it. When I come out, I am normal, quote unquote, she puts, but still believe it. And then she asks, she's on a forum with other bipolars, I mean, what better thing is there to believe than God has chosen you to do an earthly mission for him? Anybody else there in the same boat? What do they call it? Grandiose delusions? Anyway, she spelled grandiose wrong, but other than that, she has it uh, exactly right. Um, what better thing is there to believe than that God has than to chosen people for an earthly mission? Um, there was another person who, who noticed the similarity between prophets and schizophrenics in 1930, uh, Anton Boisson, and he wrote a number of books on it. He was a chaplain in uh, uh, probably the Presbyterian or Episcopalian, one of the mainstream Protestant churches mm -hmm. in the 1930s, and he became, his work became to help people in mental hospitals a chaplain there, but uh, Anton had also had five breakdowns himself, and he was not supposed to be a chaplain, he was supposed to be one of these guys in the 30s, it was unheard of to recover from it, so he also noted the uh, similarity between people like Jesus and St. Paul and uh, George Fox, the founder of the Quakers, and schizophrenic and bipolars. Anyway, I wrote to this woman, um, who said, uh, 
what better thing is there than to think God has chosen you to do an earthly mission for him? Um, and by, by the way, this woman, uh, I'll quote more from her, but I just want to say, because there are some people out there who think they have a mission and do very, you know, destructive things. Can you hold for one one second? I want to ask you. So what's the difference between this woman who writes you about having conversations with God and the man who wrote several books called Conversations with God and made a lot of money? Yeah, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, you mentioned Manson is labeled psychotic and Donald Rumsfeld is mentioned normal. Yeah, right. Eisenhower authorizes 22,000 nuclear weapons, and Timothy Leary is busted for 00.1 grams of marijuana. Yeah. Mm -hmm. how, how do you see this? How can you speak to us about this? I mean, what is authorized, uh, uh, authorized mental difference and non-authorized mental difference. Yeah, that's right. The, 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 um, the, the difference is, um, uh, I, I say that the, the people who are, you know, um, in, in power are, I like to say, that they're suffering from a consensually validated delusional system. And, and that's their definition of, of sanity, if you if you accept the consensually validated delusional system in which it's okay to destroy the earth, in which it's okay to, um, you know, drop bombs on, on people in Iraq and turn them into refugees, a million of them were, 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 were uh, by, according to Lancelot magazine, over a million of them were, were killed by American uh, weapons. Uh, you know, that, that's being part of the um, consensually thinking that that's okay, you know that's normal. That's uh, that's part of the consensually validated delusional system. So, I uh, yeah, I make the distinction between uh, that. I call it. I make it. I have to make a distinction. Uh, so I do in order to, to point to the difference. So between normality uh, doing that normal acts of violence. So I call that in, in normal society insane. And the person who's a schizophrenic, who, who's, you know, often the canary in the coal mine, and often uh, could is in fact has a, a vision, and, and what we saw in uh, is so so similar to the the people uh, who had visions, not the ones who go out there and and, and like Manson are responsible for the death or this, the guy in, um, who I know more about in, in, in Aurora, Colorado, uh, who supposedly, I say supposedly because he's saying he didn't do it. Or he would, um, but anyway, so went into a movie theater and shot 20 innocent people. Many of these people are, um, every, every single one of the school shooters was on psychiatric drugs. Uh -huh. Um this is, they're not, unfortunately, when this, these things happen, they, it, it gives a bad name to people like the person I'm quoting now, Serene, who had a vision of world peace. There's so many of the people who are schizophrenics who are people labeled schizophrenics who are, the majority of whom are not violent. Uh, then there's these, these people that are been on these psychiatric drugs for year, for years and go out and do these bizarre acts of violence. Only in American society do we have these kinds of mass killings. Um, at any rate, um, it, the violence, so it creates the, the idea that, that the average so-called schizophrenic is violent like that. Well, they're not. In fact, um, if you look at the, the, the violent crime, committed by mental patients, it's exactly the same as violent crime committed by normal people who've never been locked up in a mental hospital. Uh -huh. Then there are these few kinds of acts of, of horrific mass murder committed by these uh, people who've spent a long time in the mental health system. Uh, 
many of them uh, uh, have not gotten what they, they the help they needed, but they spent a long time, these people bouncing around in the mental health system, and that has not helped them. And they've been put, every single one of them who's committed an act of, of horrific violence has been put on uh, Prozac-type drugs. Over and over and over again, we've seen Prozac causes is a causal factor in acts of mass violence. And yet, doctors and psychiatrists keep prescribing it. These drugs should be banned. People who prescribe it with this kind of uh, promiscuousness should be incarcerated. They, psychiatrists should be held accountable for acts of violence committed. Not because they can uh, predict it, but they can know that by giving someone who, who is unstable, uh, quote-unquote psychotic, who talks about uh, violence, who talks about uh, being uh, alienated from society, giving that person Prozac or Zoloft is putting, uh, 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 to use it, you know, is putting a, a, a match to a, to a fire. That kind, of, that kind of drug should be banned. On the other hand, I believe that schizophrenics, uh, those people who uh, are, are, are schizophrenics, there's so many of them that can be the tomorrow shaman. And the similarity between the shaman has been pointed out. The similarity with the prophet has been pointed out. Now, when I read, I wrote to Serene, I think you do have a, a mission. And I said, I'm a psychologist. And I believe that you do have a mission. I don't think that's a delusion. I don't think uh, that you are, are, are grandiose. I think we need, well, it is kind of grandiose, uh, grand, uh, grandiose. But we need those kind of grandiose visions to change society. Um, to give an example of her grandiose vision, um, uh, Jesus is incredibly real and heaven is on earth. We just can't see it. We are creatures of light, of truth, yet live in the darkness of our humanity. Jesus said we are all gods. When the time comes, our hearts and our eyes, will, our eyes and our hearts will be opened, and we'll, we will see what is love. Our hearts will be filled with fire to light that darkness, and we will follow the two commandments, uh, uh, love our neighbor as ourself and love God above all things. She says, I spent, mo anyway, I spent most of my earthly years searching for God in all living things. He is there, and all living things have a spirit, and you can communicate with that spirit using your own spirit. How flimsy is this body we have? It is just a covering for the timeless spirit that lives inside it. But we are not using our spirits. We use our brains. Most don't even acknowledge the existence of the spirit of God. The time will come, I tell you, we will be aware of the most prominent part of ourselves, our spirit, and we will know God, the spirit that flows through all things. Anyway, I, I, let me in, interrupt that first. So the, t she's the opposite of the, the person that goes out and, and commits a murder, uh, a murder as a person. Uh, she's disturbed right. by the, the violence of society. She's a canary in the coal mine, but she's singing a, a song, uh, and, and, and she and, and the many other schizophrenics and, and bipolars that I've, I've met, and um, and I want to see the spirituality of in the mad pride because it, it, I actually want to start a, uh, an organization that emphasizes more the spiritual aspects of that because it started that way with the Icarus Project, um, a group of, of people. That's where I met uh, Serene. I should say that Serene gave up this idea. When I wrote her that I was a psychologist, she wrote back. She didn't believe me. She thought, <laughs> she thought I was a mental patient. Oh, great. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I, I, I've had that problem before. This is a, this is a good problem, <laughs> considering your line of uh, inquiry. Yeah, you know, when I wrote uh, my book uh, on uh, called Unholy Madness, The Church is Surrendered to Psychiatry, I wrote that Christians should be, you know, be, uh, be standing uh, on the side of, should be rescuing uh, schizophrenics from... Uh, 
to ask you a question before we close Seth yeah. uh, does did, did LSD or does LSD trigger what people called madness or what is what is your opinion on that I mean there seem to be a lot of people of my generation who are not finding a place in society and and took a lot of LSD while others, like myself, found uh, a, a greater sanity. Through, through LSD, you mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 I agree with, uh, you know, Stan Groff did all these, uh, I'm not familiar, you could probably tell me more about uh, um, uh, Timothy Leary's ex- experiments. I know he was, uh, I mean, wasn't he curing all these people in prison? That's what I read. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I was wondering what your experience was. I haven't personally had a lot of experience with LSD. No, but I meant with people who might have um, used LSD. The same thing. Yeah, the experience. The, my experience was the, the, the same thing as people who schizo- so-called schizophrenic. They have had. It got them in, t- in touch with visions of, of 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 what this world could be. A I mean, right. they've become both aware of the frightening and demonic, demonic aspects of modern civilization, but um, but also aware of of, uh, of the um, what I call the messianic dimension. Uh, the, 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 uh, one, um, my religious belief is that um, God created. You know, you can use another term if you don't like the, the world for the purpose of, of of creating happiness on earth, um, an awareness of the, the divinity, the sacredness of all all things, all beings. And I was uh, myself influenced by the um, Indian uh, spiritual teacher Sri Aurobindo. Yes. Familiar with him? Yes. And um, I, I think many people have had the the same experience of the a higher life. Uh, um, one of the women that founded um, um, uh, the, the Icarus Project, she was the co-founder, said that she had experienced in, you know, five, through her mania, um, something that it took, uh, she at one point was having a dialogue with a person who'd been meditating for, for years, and she said in spite of the pain that she'd gone through, she'd experienced, you know, in, in, in several months through mania uh, what it took him years through. So I think that's probably the same thing with LSD. Many people experience in a very brief uh, time what, are, what it could take people um, years uh, to discover through mania. They have a vision of, uh, of, of heaven on earth. Right. And and I believe that was the the purpose of the creation in, in the first place to realize the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven on on earth for all beings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, you read uh, I've I read uh, um, Christopher Bosch who, who uh, yes, wrote, oh you familiar with his book? Oh yes, I'm very familiar with his books, and uh, I've had the privilege of interviewing him. Yes. Yeah, that beautiful book he wrote, uh, um, what's it called? The Early Morning? A Dark Night, Early Dawn. Dark Night, Early Dawn, yeah. Uh, where he talks about uh, the Great Awakening that, that could, that will happen, he believes. Um, um, and so many people have had that experience of, of the Great Awakening of, of humanity um, that has to happen because the alternative is the, 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 the destruction of humanity, the destruction of, of, of the earth. And, and as Sri Aurobindo said, it was for, jo- for joy, for pleasure, not for, for sorrow, that the earth was created. So um, the, those of our people who have had that experience of waking up have to, and that includes uh, schizophrenic, includes LSD, uh, are like living messiahs among us. And uh, rather than suppressing those, those visions and trying to be normal, uh, they, they have to go out and, I mean, one, some of the people I, I know uh, are may, make an effort to be normal. They think it's these ideas are... Are necessarily dangerous or egotistical, uh, egomaniacs. Yeah, sure, there are egomaniacs, but that doesn't mean we should give up the vision. There are people who are very humble and can learn to be humble. It's a, a training, and um, and 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 you and you do that train, and you that you develop that humility out of love for the vision that that you have. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of erotic um, relationship to the vision of, of happiness for all beings and the understanding of oneself, as uh, I think he, he said this. There's also another book out. Uh, uh, it's kind of, kind of a trope that's 
becoming more and more well-known of of each human being being a cell in the uh, body of humanity, in the body of the earth. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, A multi of this earth or of humanity being a a multicellular organization, and that being the... um, the, the um, what's his name that wrote that book? Uh, but anyway, being, when he, for many thousand, millions of years, there were only unicellular organizations. And then in the process of evolution, somehow these unicellular organizations knew. That's how, um, I can't remember the guy who wrote that, the book, with spontaneous evolution, but he's actually a cellular scientist. They knew... Um, that it, a wiser evolutionary strategy was to get together with other cells, so to speak. So then we had multicellular beings developing. And so the same thing has to happen on a, on a process of, of each individual yes, in order yes. to sit, getting together with other individuals that being realizing that he, we are a cell in a, and each one is a cell in a multicellular organization yes. and I believe the people on LSD and, and the people who were schizophrenic were the first to, uh, to have an awareness of that and out of love not to give up the vision but to nurture the vision and out of love of the vision to subdue the ego that's beautiful that's beautiful thank you so right. much um, wonder if you'd like to say just a few words in closing Seth I guess I, I, yeah, I should say I wanted to, um, to. I always want to quote that. my tendency when they say you have a list. Uh, do you want to say a few words just to quote something uh, from Orbindo? Because I'll, yes, he, he has such an, excellent. Say, is that all right? Yes, that's excellent. Um, just because he had such a, a beautiful vision. And did you did you did you read any of Sri Aurobindo? Yes, and the mother, I found yes. very relevant. Yeah. Um, he, he, okay, so he's I'm quoting Savitri now. He says, The traveler now treads in the ignorance, unaware of his next step, not knowing his goal. But when the hour of the divine draws near, the mighty mother shall take birth in time, and God be born in human clay, in forms made ready by your human lives, all earth shall be the spirit's manifest home, hidden no more by the body and the life, hidden no more by the mind's ignorance. This world shall be God's visible garden house. The earth, I should say for people who don't know, or unlike many Hindus, many uh, wise, good good, uh, Hindus, many many other enlightened beings, but Aurobindo was different in believing. Many of them believed that they would realize God and, and then be taken up into God apart from the life. Sri Aurobindo believed that the God would be, become manifest in this life. So this world shall be God's visible garden house. The earth shall be a field and camp of God. Man shall forget consent to mortality since he, mortality is Aurobindo saw as just a, a bad habit, a habit of nature. A habit of nature, which many scientists believe that, many scientists say now that the laws of nature are just habits of nature and that they could change. Man shall forget consent to mortality in his body. Man too shall turn toward the spirit's call, awake to his inner hidden possibility, awake to all that slept within his heart. And all that nature meant when earth was formed, and this and the spirit made this ignorant world his home. He shall aspire to truth and God and bliss. The frontiers of the ignorance shall recede. More and more souls shall enter into light. These separate souls, the spirit's oneness feel. These senses of heavenly sense grow capable. The flesh and nerves of strange, ethereal joy and mortal bodies of immortality. Then shall the earth open divinity. And common natures feel the wide uplift, illumine common acts with the Spirit's ray, and meet the deity in common things. Nature shall live to manifest secret God. The Spirit shall take up the human play. This earthly life shall become the life divine. And 
So I, I stand that I see the mad pride of the force that will will help to spread the the idea of the mad uh, of the life divine through throughout society, and that people who are now labeled schizophrenic and bipolars will be the will be among will be foremost among the catalyst for a, a new great messianic awakening, a first major step toward ushering in the kingdom of heaven on on earth and saving humanity and 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 saving our our, our mother earth from from destruction mm, beautiful final words our mother earth from destruction yeah. thank you so much for your time seth yes uh, thank you i appreciate it